You're listening to Wikisleep Podcast, a podcast designed to help you relax and unwind through calm, quiet storytelling. I'm your host, Adrian Sala. I'm working hard to keep Wikisleep Podcast ad-free. If you'd like to contribute to the ad-freeness, you can do that by visiting wikisleeppodcast.com. Every bit of support, no matter the size, is very appreciated. Today's story, The Odyssey, Book 2. Now, when the child of morning, rosy-fingered dawn, appeared Telemachus, rose and dressed himself. He bound his sandals onto his comely feet, girded his sword about his shoulder, and left his room, looking like an immortal god. He at once sent the criers round to call the people in assembly. Then, when they were got together, he went to the place of assembly, spear in hand, not alone, for his two hounds went with him. Minerva endowed him with a presence of such divine comeliness that all marveled at him as he went by. And when he took his place in his father's seat, even the oldest counselors made way for him. Egyptius, a man bent double with age and of infinite experience was the first to speak. His son Antiphus had gone with Ulysses to Ilius, land of noble steeds. But the savage Cyclops had killed him when they were all shut up in the cave and had cooked his last dinner for him. He had three sons left of whom two still worked on their fatherland, while the third, Erinomus, was one of the suitors. Nevertheless, their father could not get over the loss of Antiphus, and was still weeping for him when he began his speech. Men of Ithaca, he said, hear my words. From the day Ulysses left us, there has been no meeting of our counselors until now. Who then can it be, whether young or old, that finds it so necessary to convene us? He has got wind of some host approaching, or does he wish to warn us, or would he speak upon some other matter of public moment? I am sure he is an excellent person, and I hope Jove will grant him his heart's desire. Telemachus took this speech as of good omen and rose at once, for he was bursting with what he had to say. He stood in the middle of the assembly, and the good herald Pisenor brought him his staff. Then, turning to Egyptius, Sir, said he, 
It is I, as you will shortly learn, who have convened you, for it is I who am the most aggrieved. I have not got wind of any host approaching about which I would warn you, nor is there any matter of public moment on which I would speak. My grievance is purely personal and turns on two great misfortunes which have fallen upon my house. The first of these is the loss of my excellent father, who was chief among you all here present and was like a father to every one of you. The second is much more serious and ere long will be the utter ruin of my estate. The sons of all the chief men among you are pestering my mother to marry them against her will. They are afraid to go to her father Icarus, asking him to choose the one he likes best and to provide marriage gifts for his daughter. But day by day, they keep hanging about my father's house, sacrificing our oxen, sheep, and fat goats for their banquet and never giving so much as a thought to the quantity of wine they drink. No estate can stand such recklessness. We have now no Ulysses to warn off harm for our doors, and I cannot hold my own against them. I shall never all my days be as good a man as he was. Still, I would indeed defend myself if I had power to do so, for I cannot stand such treatment any longer. My house is being disgraced and ruined. Have respect, therefore, to your own consciences and to public opinion. Fear, too, the wrath of heaven, lest the gods should be displeased and turn upon you. I pray you by Jove and Themis, who is the beginning and the end of councils, do not hold back my friends, and leave me single-handed, unless it be that my brave father Ulysses did some wrong to the Achaeans which he would now avenge upon me by aiding and abetting these suitors.